But you know, something I've noticed, it's all over the place. There is a movement. There is something happening in the spirit. You know, uh, uh, that's what we are sensing right now. We call it revival. We call it awakening. Amen. But you know, um, it's interesting because so many times when I hear people talk about revival and talk about awakening, or when I hear people pray about it, you know, I oftentimes hear people just, you know, begging God, you know, almost knocking on the, on the door thinking, you know, if I fast, if I pray, if I just, I'm just going to push God and just going to force him into something. Almost crying and begging God as if, and to me that's quite offensive to tell you the truth. Because it implies that somehow God as the, you know, his arm crossed in heaven, Thinking, okay, if you pray a little more, if you beg a little more, if you, you know, cry a little more, and maybe I'll just pour a few little, you know, Holy Ghost dust on the earth, you know. You know what I'm talking about. But let me tell you something. God wants revival on this earth more than all of us put together in this room. God wants it. And you know what I mean? But yes, we pray. But how we pray for revival and awakening is very different, really. And we've got to stick to the Bible. How they prayed. Because I see a lot of, you know, the kind of praying and talking about revival as if God is temperamental and kind of thinking, oh, no, I don't want to send revival. Just, you know, Beg a little more. No, no, no. God is somehow wanting revival. But how many of you know that God, whatever he does on the earth, he needs our cooperation. Amen. That's how, you know, in his sovereignty, that's how God chose to do it. I didn't come up with it. He did. Because he loves us so much. He invites us into his kingdom. He invites us into his plan, what he wants to do on the earth. But how many of you know that, you know, that's where the little problem comes. Because God somehow had to do on earth what he wants to do with us having to cooperate with him. Amen. So tonight, I hope that's okay because even if it's not okay with you, I'm going to do it anyway. We're going to talk about revival and awakening and what God is wanting to do on the earth. Amen. Are you ready? Glory to God. I'm excited to be here. In a few days, I'll leave for Haiti. So if your, my name is crossing your head, just pray for, you know, Sister Audrey. I'm going to be two weeks in Haiti. Amen. Uh, uh, but good things are happening over there. There is a move also. God is doing something. Amen. So, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We don't ask you to come because we know you are here. You are in this place. You are in us. And that's the promise we have for you. That if two or three gather together in your name, there you are in the midst of us. So we thank you, God. And it is your will to to love us, to bless us, to help us, to, uh, 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 to help us to fulfill the will of God on this earth, to bring heaven here on earth. So we thank you tonight that we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and our heart is just ready to understand and grasp your word. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to help me to share your word with all simplicity, all clarity, that even a little child could understand it. And I thank you, Holy Ghost, because you are the one who is touching our heart, who is giving us revelation, who is blessing us. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 So we're going to talk about revival. And I like that name, awakening, really. We talked about the great awakenings of the first of the century. But you know, even the name, if you look at it, awakening or revival, you know what that implies? That somebody is sleeping. And I have a good idea that it's not God. You know what I mean? Somebody is sleeping. And, and let me read you some verses to show you that God is wanting to bring an awakening and he's pleading with us or he's telling us something through his word. Listen to some verses. Romans 13 verse 11 says, you know the time in which you are living. I like it in the uh, uh, 
tree of life version, he says, you know the point of history, in history where you live in. I mean, all of us here, we know what place in history we are in. The last of the last time, I believe we are the Benjamin generation. We are the last generation. And he says, listen to what he says. You know the time in which we are living. It is time for you to wake up. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first became believers. Here is another verse. Ephesians 4 verse 14 says, Wake up, O slipper, rise from the dead, and the Messiah or Christ will shine on you. I like that. Christ wants to shine on us. Amen. But it's gonna, it means that we first have to wake up. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but the church today is kind of in a, you know, or oh, it's been, it's starting to wake up, I believe. But it's been in a wake up, in a sleepy mode. Amen. But here it says, God, Christ wants to shine on you. But first, wake up. He even says, right from the dead. Hallelujah. And you know, here is something interesting. Uh, 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 the, when we say that we are, God is telling us to wake up, that means that we are sleepy. You know, even sleep, when we think of sleep, you know what it is when you're sleeping? You are breathing, but you're not talking, you're not doing anything. So you know what that means, that the church, yes, the church is breathing, the church is doing, but it's not speaking, it's not doing anything. But God is pleading with us. You see, he wants to bring an awakening. He wants to bring a great revival. He wants to bring a great move of God. He wants to, you know, uh, see wonders, signs and wonders upon the earth. He wants to bring the last harvest. But it will take the church to first wake up and stand up. I like it in 2 Corinthians I think it's 1434 or 1534. It says, awake to righteousness. You know what that shows me? That the church or Christian are sleeping in their righteousness. That means they are sleeping in who they are in Christ. They are sleeping in their authority. They are sleeping in their anointing. You and I know we've been made in the very nature of Christ. I mean... 1 John 4, 17 says, just as he is, so are you in this world. You have been made in your spirit identical to Christ. The same nature. You've been even given the same anointing. Everything, same righteousness, everything. But if, I don't know if you've noticed, the church, most of the church doesn't know who they are in Christ. They don't know their identity, their authority, and their power. And the word says, awake to your righteousness, awake to your identity, to your authority. And I love that. Listen to that one, one more verse. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 and 2. Oh, we all know that verse. It says, arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold... The darkness shall cover the earth. Yes, deep and gross darkness, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. You know what here again it says? Yeah, there is darkness upon the earth. Have you noticed that? I mean, even in the last, it amazes me, even in the last few years, we can see the ungodliness, the spirit of Antichrist that has been unleashed over the United States coming from the top. Darkness has come upon the, the earth. Darkness right here. But you notice what it says. Arise. Wake up. We've got to arise to wake up to who we are in Christ. I remember reading or hearing a... Um, a visitation, it was a, an evangelist from Argentina. And in 1961, he had a visitation from the Lord. And in this visitation or his vision, he saw a giant laying on the ground. And that giant was covered with trash, with all kind of 
all kind of you know, bugs and junk all over him. And every time that giant, that giant was laying there, covered with all that, that, those, those, that trash and all kind of stuff. But every time he would start to move a little bit, all the bugs, all the trash, everything would leave. And then that, that giant would, after a while, would go right back and lay down. And then that went on for a while until one day that giant finally stood up. And he stood up and all the bugs, all the darkness, all the stuff just shoo, just flee, were fleeing from, from the... And all of a sudden, as that giant is standing up, his head is in the cloud. And while his head is in the cloud, it's like liquid silver starting to shoo, pour on him. And all of a sudden, as he got covered with that silver, he started to march and it started to go, and, that, and, and what is it? It's the church. The church is a sleeping giant, and we've been sleeping in our identity, sleeping in who we are, sleeping in that anointing and that authority, but God, he says, come on, people, wake up. Rise up from the dead and all the power of God, that anointing will start, all the darkness will flee and that anointing will cover you. The glory of the Lord will cover you. Oh, glory to God. You see, that is not a fairy tale. That is a visitation because the Bible says that God does nothing unless he first shows it to his prophet. And there's been, you know, vision. There's been words. There's been prophecies after prophecy, words that there would be a great revival. Because you know what? Just like in the wedding of Canaan, God keeps the best wine for the end. And so God is keeping his best uh, 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 wine for us. We, I believe we are that generation. And that's why all of us are sensing something. We are sensing a moving in the spirit. We are sensing people all of a sudden that start feeling dissatisfied with just the hum-hum of every day. People are starting to feel hungry a little more for God, starting to search a little more for God. This is no coincidence. It's that sleeping giant that's starting to move. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. But here it is. Why is it that the church is sleeping? Why is it that the church is sleeping? Well, we can see right at the beginning. You know, we talk about the early church. I believe there'll be a day where we all say, oh, we're going to talk to Peter and John and Paul to see what he was like that in those days. I guarantee you that Peter, John, and Paul are waiting for the day where they're going to talk to us and say, how was it in the last days? How was it in that last revival? Glory to God. But you know, at the early church, do you, do you remember what happened? How did the move of God, how did the re revival break out in Jerusalem and went all over? Because Peter started to open his mouth. They all got filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And the first thing that Peter did, he opened his mouth. And he was bold about it. He gave the gospel. And then what did he do after that? He laid hands on the sick. At the gate, beautiful. He saw a man begging and he said, I don't have silver, I don't have gold, but such as I have. What is it that he had? That anointing. That Holy Ghost anointing in him. See, such as I have, give I unto thee. Rise up and walk. And I'm telling you, they had revival. But you remember what happened. With revival comes persecution. And they called him in. And they, you know, kind of scalded them. And, and then they discussed between them. And they say, what shall we do with those men? Because we see that something is happening. People everywhere are getting saved. People are talking about that. You know, that. what shall we do? What did they do? Listen to this. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, now when they saw the boldness. I want you to notice that word, boldness. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and figure out that they were, and I'm reading from the Tree of Life version. He said, when they figured out that they were simply laymen, with that training, they were amazed. They began to realize that these men had been with Jesus. 
You see, education is not that important. Being with Jesus is much more important. And then verse 17 and 18, they said, but so that it won't spread any further among the people. Let's warn them not to speak anymore to anyone in that name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach or do anything in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Did you notice that in order to stop that move of God, what is it that the devil was trying to do to try to intimidate them? Stop talking. Keep your mouth shut. Don't do anything in that name. Don't lay hands on the sick in that name. Don't talk or witness in that name. Remember what I say, to be sleeping is to breathe without saying anything, doing anything. But thank God Peter said, tell me what I should do. Obey you, obey God. And they did not keep their mouth shut. And of course, we know what happened. A revival broke out all across and across the globe, really. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But I know, I know that that revival, that awakening, that move of God is going to happen when this church when the church with a big C is choosing to wake up and start talking and start doing something. Understanding who they are in Christ, their identity, their authority, that power invested in them. And because of that, they say, now it's time. I'm going to open my mouth boldly like Peter and John. I'm going to go and lay hands on the sick. But I know some people are intimidated with that. Well, number one, because they think, well, isn't that the job of the fivefold ministry? Isn't that what the pastor and the evangelist and the apostle and the prophet, and the, and the, isn't that what the mission is supposed to do? Well, let me answer that question. What did Jesus say? Did you notice here it says that Peter and John, even though they were later apostles who built the church, but they did what they did, not as apostle, but as simple, simply disciples of Jesus Christ. And you notice what it says. When they noticed that they were simply laymen, just people, ordinary people, untrained, uneducated. And you remember Mark 16, because Jesus did not call Hallelujah, you're getting me excited now. Jesus did not call the pastor, the preacher, the fivefold ministry to preach and lay hands on the sick. That is not our, our calling. What is our calling? Our calling is to edify the church, to train the church for the work of the ministry. But what does Mark 16 say? It says, and those signs will follow them who are pastors. No, those who believe. How many believers do we have here tonight? Raise your hand. If you're a believer, then that, what I'm about to say, is your, your command. Your whatever commandment that Jesus has given to you. You need to make it personal. Not somebody else. That Jesus is talking to you right now. And what he's saying. These signs will follow them who believe. The believer. The disciple. They will speak with new tongues. Glory to God. We need that bad. They, what will they do? They will cast out demons. You're like casting demons. And they're not all in Africa and in India. We've got some nasty demons right in America. Come on. Then it says, they shall drink anything deadly. It will not hurt them. Diplomatic immunity. You know, when I travel, I remember when I first started, you know, uh, on my second, you know, I, I lived in Albania. Then I went to India and I was preparing to live there forever. And I, I, I'm here in the States preparing. And, so, you know, everybody had an opinion. You need to take this because the water is going to be bad and the food is going to be this. So they told me every little thing I needed to take or, or do before I left. So, I mean, as a good little girl, I just went to Walmart. 
with my little cart and I'm going, you know, and I'm taking this and I'm taking that and I'm taking everything that supposedly I would need to go on a third world nation. And I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me and he said, are you planning on getting sick? Uh, no, Lord, Lord. He said, yes, you are. Look in your car. He said, you are making pr provision. You are expecting to get yeah. sick. You know what I did? I put everything back on the shelf. <laughs> and it's been since 1993 that I lived on the mission field or been on the mission field in some of the most dangerous places. In some, I ate the food that you wouldn't even want to look at. I, I drank water that you wonder where is that coming from. I slept in some places with venomous animals. But you know I stood on that verse. If you drink and, 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 and since 1993, I've never, never, never been sick. Never drank and I drank the water, ate the food. Why? Let me say something. That promise doesn't belong to the missionary only. Or to the fight. It belongs to the believer. It belongs to the disciple. We have diplomatic immunity. And then what he says, if you walk, you shall walk on serpent and scorpions. That talks of our authority. When we walk, my friend, the devil should be scared. Darkness should flee. But we need to know who we are. We are light. We are righteousness. We are holiness. We are the temple of God. We are Jesus in the flesh. And we need to know when I walk in, the darkness going to have to you go but then what does he say and you shall lay heads on the sick and the sick will recover you see that is what a disciple is supposed to look like that is what the church is supposed to look like that is our what would you curriculum or it's our you know our image that is what you and I not just the pastors and the missionary. That's for every one of us in this room. But of course, you know, most people say, well, they don't feel qualified. They think laying hands on the sick, well, speaking in new tongues, yeah, I do that. Well, maybe, you know, um, drinking anything, well, maybe I can believe that. Maybe exercising authority a little bit, yeah, I make it. But laying hands on the sick, well, I don't know. You know why? Because most people don't feel qualified. They think, you know, I've got to have a Bible school degree. Or I've got to be, you know, have a special anointing. If I had a special anointing, then I would lay hands on the sick. Can I tell you something? I remember when years and years ago, I, was, I started really ministering to children. And I had a children group, and, I, and that, that day, I, was, I had such a headache, and I couldn't shake it off all day. And I did everything I knew to do, but by the end of the evening, it was Wednesday night, and I knew I needed to go to church and minister to those children. But the whole, and I said, Lord, why do I have that headache? And this is what Holy Ghost said. He said, have a little child lay hands on you tonight. My pride kind of got a little. Oh, me, oh, great woman of faith. Have a child pray for me. Um, I didn't say that to Holy Ghost, but you know, get my point, right? But so I did that. I went to church, and there was, I remember Sarah. She was four years old, blonde and nice little girl. I knew she was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spoke in tongues from a very early age. And I went to her, and I said, Sarah, would you pray for me, Audrey? And she went to me. She put her little hand on me. She said, be healed in Jesus' name. You know, within a few minutes, bam. That healing, that, that, that headache was totally gone. I even saw not long ago an evangelist, a young man that goes to Africa, and he went into a school where there were 300 plus children. And you know what he did? He went and told them about Jesus, and they all received Jesus. But that wasn't all. Right after they received Jesus, he said, now nah, you guys, you are qualified to pray for the sick. So he said, is there anybody here that needs healing? So there were probably half of the kids raising their hands. I mean, little African kids that just got saved five minutes ago. And he said, whoever is sick, raise your hand. So little kids rose their hand, said, now those around you that have not, are not sick, go and pray for them. Do you know that they were 100% healing? Little kids didn't have what? Didn't have a Bible degree? Didn't have a 10 step on how to heal people? 
a whole manual on how to move with the Holy Ghost. They just went and lay hands on, you know, said, okay, I'm qualified to lay hands on the sick. Okay, be healed in Jesus' name. And that was it. We don't have you. The moment you are born again, the moment you become a believer, you are qualified, you are enrolled to cast a demon, to lay hands on the sick and do whatever else Jesus has told us to do. But I know it's silent in that Catholic church tonight. You know, that whole thing about we have that image that it's only, you know, the big guy, you know, on the stage that will just, you know, have, lay hands on the sick and do whatever, see healing and miracles. You know, the time of the superstar, I think, is fading away and it's going out. The revival, the awakening, the move of God is going to go through the people like it was at the early church. You know, you see, for example, you know, in Acts chapter 9, there was a simple guy named Ananias. One day the Holy Ghost just kind of spoke to him and said, Ananias, you need to go to the street straight because there is somebody there. You need to go and tell him about me and you need to lay hands on him and he's going to get healed and he's going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. It says a certain man named, An a certain disciple named Ananias from Damascus. He was not an apostle, he wasn't an event, he was a simple guy like you and I. And yet the Holy Ghost used him to go and lay hands on the apostle Paul to, to get him healed, to get him filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what God wants to do. That is when the church is going to start to stand up, rise up, and become that living giant. When you and I, all of us, are starting to do the works of God. Not here in the church. Not interested. We're here to get trained. We, 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 you need to take it and go out into the streets, into everywhere you, you go. You know, not long ago, Fred and I, we were in a restaurant, and we saw that waiter. Poor guy. I mean, you saw on his face, he was in pain. I mean, in pain. He's walking through the restaurant like this. And on his face, he's like, every step is like excruciating, you know. And so we felt so sorry. I mean, our heart was just like, you know, felt compassion for him. So we were with some family and friends. So um, we told him, I said, you know, Jesus wants to heal you. Would it be okay if we prayed for you? We can wait at the end of the meal and pray for you. The guy, kind of, the guy kind of looked around, kind of a little embarrassed, thinking, who is watching me, you know? And then you say, well, I guess so. So at the end of the meal, we just kind of let everybody go, you know, the, all the unbelief. We let all the unbelief out of the table. Don't tell them I'd say that. <laughs> and then when it was Fred and I, we went to that guy and we said, you know what? We want to pray for you right here, right now. So we just, we're done. We put our hands. We didn't have a big old long prayer. We just prayed, you know. We spoke to the pain. And this is what he said. He said, I've been out of the doctors. I saw many doctors. They don't know what's wrong with me. They cannot help me. And they don't know what they can do for me. I'm just stuck with that. And he was in pain. And that had been going on for some months and months. So I said, you know, that's nothing for Jesus. He can heal you right here. So we just, Fred and I just, you know, kneel down, put our hands on his foot and say, foot, we commend you in the name of Jesus, be healed. Pain, you go. And that was it. And then we say, well, move your foot. How do you feel? He said, well, it kind of feel better. But you could tell he looked around, you know, very conscious thinking, you know, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to, you know, people, because they were customers and stuff. So we, we did, we, we respect. We said, okay, you know, we believe, you know, you're good. And so we left. Well, a few, I was on a trip a few days later. Fred goes to the same restaurant and he sees that, you know, that waiters, I mean, zipping here, zipping there, walking, almost running. And so finally he went to talk to him and he said, um, he said, well, you're doing much better. He said, you remember we prayed for you. And he said, yeah, I remember you prayed for me. And he said, when did you start to feel better? He said, well, by, by the end of the day, I was totally, I couldn't even remember I, I, I had any pain. And we saw him a couple of weeks later and he was still doing well. You know, we can do that. And it's not like last night, I was preaching and people were so hungry. We were there till what, 11 o'clock, 11.30. You know, people didn't want to leave. The presence of God was so sweet, people didn't want to go anywhere. And there was a lady who had not been able to hear from one ear 
you know, she could hear sound, but could not make the, the words, you know. She could hear, but that was it. Yesterday, just simple prayer, right, Fred? I just lay hands, I just tested her to make sure that it was as she said. She couldn't hear, couldn't repeat any word. And then simple prayer, put my finger in her ear and I said, well, ear open in Jesus' name, I command you to hear. And then I tested her and bam, she could hear perfectly. No, we have that notion that just to lay hands on the sick and to heal, you've got to have a special anointing. I used to think that way. I remember I grew up under, you know, what you'd call the word of faith. And, you know, I grew up under Brother Hagin, Kenneth Hagin. And I remember every time we were in class, you know, he would always say, you know, he would share how Jesus appeared to him and put his finger in his hands and fire came in his hand. And he said, you know, Kenneth, I have given you a special anointing to heal the sick. And so, you know, I knew I was in the school. I knew, you know, I'm supposed to lay hands on the sick. But this is what happened. In the back, somewhere in the back of my head, I had that little, you know, concept that I prayed for the sick, but it's only those with a special anointing that can expect miracles all the time. So I prayed for the sick, but I, I saw healing once in a while. And when I got a healing, I'd be more amazed than the person. Because I'd be like, what did I do right this time, you know? Until I heard a man of God standing behind the pulpit. That, and, and I saw his meeting. I mean, miracles. Deaf ears. The deaf ear, you know, opened. Blind eyes opened. Incurable disease. I mean, people that were supposed to die within a few weeks, bam, totally healed. I saw miracles. And I heard the guy behind the pulpit saying, I don't have a special anointing. Whoop, he got my attention. He said, I just have the anointing of the Holy Ghost inside of me. That same power, Romans 8, 11, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwell in me. And the miracle that I do, I just do it in that authority, the authority of Jesus' name with that anointing that has been invested in me. And I went, you know what I told myself? If that man can do those miracles with just the anointing of the Holy Spirit, then if he can do it, I can do it. And all of a sudden, I had a change of mentality. <laughs> change a little bit. And you know what happened? I started to see miracles. After just a few, I'm, I'm not talking 10 years ago, just a few days ago, you know, I was, uh, when was that? Oh, that was in, in Orlando. A man was blind from one eye. Totally blind. He had a, a, a detached retina. He had had three surgery. Amen. And he, 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 for one reason, he asked us to pray for him. And so I was sure, just simple. I said, okay. I put my hands on his eye. I say, I command you retina to get attached again. Eyes, I command you to see in the name of Jesus. Then I had him test his, his eye. And I went, bam, 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 bam. He could see. You say, well, Audrey, because you're a missionary. No, 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 I'm just a, dis a disciple of Jesus Christ. And you, you, but you know what, what, why is it that so, so many people are afraid to talk to a stranger or, or to go and pray for somebody they don't know or afraid to lay hands on the sick? First, we saw they don't feel qualified. And number two, because of fear of man, what are people going to think? What are gonna, people going to think of me? Well, you know, we can see in the Bible that the, that, that the disciple might have had that same kind of fear because, you know, when they got persecuted and they said they went in Acts 4 to their own company and they started to pray. And you know what they asked God for? They asked God for boldness. Boldness. So, you know, that gives us, that gives us the precedence that now we can ask God, if you're a little shy and you don't want to talk to a stranger or you're afraid to talk to somebody you don't know or somebody you know, you know, sometimes we're more afraid to talk to family than we are to talk to stranger. Amen. To talk to anybody. If you're like feeling like, I don't know, I don't know, and, and you're afraid to lay hands on the sick because you think, well, what if, what if, then Pray for boldness. Pray for boldness like Peter did. Paul also prayed in Ephesians 6. That I may speak boldly the word of God with all boldness as I ought to. 
You know, that shows me again that the problem, why the church is sleeping, why the, 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 we don't see miracles and, and, and signs and wonders is because the church is afraid to speak. And did you notice that's the strategy of the devil? Because have you noticed that the popular thing right now is to be politically correct? That means don't you say anything that's going to rock the boat. Don't you say anything. You know, in some countries in Europe, they will, they, it's, they, they will persecute you. They will, you know, if you say that Jesus is the only way, you might offend the Muslim. Or talking about homosexual, that it's a sin. They'll take you out of the air and they'll persecute you. Why is that? Could it be that it's the spirit of Antichrist, the enemy that knows that if he can keep the church quiet, he'll keep her passive. Because you remember what Mark 16 says, that the disciple went in verse 20. They went from place to place, boldly speaking the word. And it says that Jesus worked with them or worked with the word. You see, the disciples spoke the word and Jesus confirmed the word with signs and wonders and healings. But if we keep quiet and we don't say anything, Jesus has nothing to work with. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So that means that we've got to, and we, we see we can pray for boldness, but here it is. Because some people, they, they, you can pray for boldness and 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 never do anything. You can keep on praying for boldness for another 20 years. There is a time when you pray for boldness and there is a moment by faith. You release your faith and say, okay, I pray for boldness. I believe I received it. God heard me. So now it's time for action. Okay, let's put it to work. And look for opportunities. God is going to put, you know, you say, God, I want to be a witness. I want to share your gospel. I want to lay hands on the sick. Well, start doing it. You know, I, I hear people all the time that because they see, you know, miracles and stuff. And they said, Audrey, how do I start in a healing ministry? How do I start seeing people getting healed? You know what the answer is? Well, start doing it. Just start it. Just do it. Just start. You've got to start somewhere. If you, if you wait to feel something, you can wait for a long time. You see, that is the number three hindrance where people think they've got to feel something in order to lay hands on the sick. That is one great. Now, can I say something to you? The greatest miracle that I've ever seen in my ministry is when I felt zero anointing. Didn't feel not squat. I remember I was in Ethiopia and I had preached that morning on Holy Spirit. So I had an invitation for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, of course, half of the church came. That got, all got filled. It was awesome. But by the end, I mean, I'd been there for three, four hours. By the end, I was tired. My feet were hurting. It was hot. I was hungry. I was tired. Did I say that? I was tired. And I see at the end of the door my taxi waiting for me. So, I mean, this is what I have. All of a sudden, I'm finished, like mission accomplished. And I'm thinking, I'm seeing that blue taxi out there. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. That's what I have on my mind. Don't look at me so holy. You'd be doing the same thing. I saw that blue taxi, so I'm like heading out over there. I'm like, shoom, let's go there. And all of a sudden, a woman just grabs me by the arm, bam, to stop me. And she starts, you know, with some grunts. Arr. So I'm like, yeah, what's going on? And then there is a lady that came with her that explained. She said, she's totally deaf. I mean, totally deaf from an early age, from the time she was, she was young. And she said, but she can talk, but because she can hear, she doesn't talk. And so she said she heard that there was a woman that would be in this church praying for the sick. But of course, I hadn't prayed for the sick. I had prayed for the baptism. And she explained further that that woman had taken three buses, had left almost in the middle of the night to, to travel to come to the, to the capital city of Addis Ababa. And so here I am, but I don't feel any anointing. I mean, like nothing. I'm tired and all I'm thinking, I don't feel one, one inch of, of spirituality at that moment. I'm like, but you know, I knew by faith, 
I didn't feel anything, but I knew by faith that the same anointing that raised Jesus from the dead dwelled in me permanently. wasn't going anywhere. You know, the bird landed and it's not living. You know what I mean? It's in me to dwell in me forever. And I knew that by faith. And I said, I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. And so I told that lady, I tested her. I went to check if she could hear nothing. So finally, I put my finger in, his, in his, her ears. I commanded her eardrum to open, her ears to hear well. You know, and after that, I went behind her and I said, now repeat after me. And you know, she started to hear. She said, I heard like a pop. And I went, repeat after me. She said, Jesus, Jesus. By the time I was at the other end of the church, she could still hear me, totally heal. What if I had said, well, I don't feel the anointing. Well, Paul, I knew she had faith, you see. I knew she had exercised faith already because she had traveled. She came expecting. She came knowing that, you know, like that woman with the issue of blood. If I can, she can only touch, I will be healed. And she got healed. Amen. Now let me say something that might pop your bubble. Did you, because sometimes we have that tendency in the church, and that's a great hindrance, to just walk by sight and not by faith. We feel that the presence of God is only here if you feel something. If you've got a little goosebumps, if you shake, if somebody falls, ah, oh, the power is here. Can I say something to you? In Luke chapter 4, did you know in Luke chapter 4, that's when Jesus preached his first sermon. He was in Nazareth. He stood in the synagogue and he said the famous passage in four, uh, Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to open blind eyes, to set at liberty the captives, etc., etc. What was he saying? The anointing to heal, to deliver, to save, to prosper is right there in your midst. I mean, even the name Jesus Christ, Christ, Christos, in Greek means the anointed one with the fullness of the anointing. I mean, how much anointing was that? Jesus in the flesh. The anointed one was right there with the anointing. But let me ask you this. Did anybody in the synagogue have a goosebump? Anybody fell under the power? Did they see a Shekinah glory? Or did they have gold in their hands. I mean, nothing against that. These are real manifestations of the presence of God. But what am I saying? If those manifestations are not there, does it mean that the presence of God and the anointing is not present? No. You see, Jesus, the anointing was present, but nobody had a goosebump. Nobody had a shake, shaking or fell under the power or anything else. How do I know that? Because a few verses later, what did they want to do? To take him by the seam of the pants and throw him off the cliff. Do you think that they would have wanted to kill him if they had seen or felt that anointing? I don't think so. If they had seen that anointing, the Shekinah glory, or felt something, I guarantee you. But, I mean, Jesus, the Son of God, the anointed one, was in the midst, but yet nobody felt anything. And yet today, we only will believe that the anointing wants to heal, that the anointing wants to free, deliver, and do whatever he wants to do if we feel a little something in the back or if we see something. We have got to learn as sons of God to walk by faith and not by sight. That is the first thing. You see, when you go to somebody, you might not feel anything. Yes, it is true that sometimes I lay hands on the sick and I'll feel the anointing, the power go through my hand. But even when I don't feel it, I know. That anointing is there, available, and it's always, always, always the will of the Father to heal everybody. Why? Because healing, it's his love language. And Father is love. Amen. And so that means that you and I, we don't have to wait to feel anything, to see anything, just to go and see somebody sick and lay hands on them. 
Because if you wait for, to feel something, you can wait until Jesus comes back. And even then, you might not feel anything. You understand what I'm saying? It's by faith. And I tell you, but here is the beauty because that's faith. I found that especially, especially when I don't feel anything, that's when I need to lay hands on the sick because that's when I walk in greater faith. You see, if I feel your anointing, it's easy to lay hands on, on the sick. But when I don't feel it, it demands faith. But now you said, but you say, I have tried. I have prayed for people, laid hands on people, and nothing happened. Well, you know what I found out and I've discovered? That I've become so persuaded that I know, that I know, that I know, that Daddy God always wants to heal everybody. That, and, and, and when Jesus prayed for people, he always expected expected something i have come to grow and to understand that i have to have that same expectancy not to pray and lay hands on somebody and then if nothing happens then to go and say well go your way you'll get better it's only progressive no 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 i have come to the place when i lay hands on the sick i, I got to expect to see something and if I don't see something, for example, the other day, uh, we were in church on a Wednesday night. You know when we were doing the movie, The Holy Ghost? And there was, at one time, Pastor Farrell asked everybody who needed healing, and then we turned around. And there was a lady who had a fibrosis in her, is she here tonight? Are you here? No, she's not here. She had a fibrosis or something like a growth in her uterus and ovaries. And she was in lots of pain. She said, I am in pain. I've had that, you know, and they said I'm going to have to have surgery. Well, long story short, I just pray for, you know, I laid my hands on her and I said, okay, now from one to 10, how much pain did you have? She said, I had an eight. I said, now, after we prayed for you and laid hands on you, how much pain do you have? She said, well, a six. I feel, well, it's a little better. You know, so we, I prayed, laid hands on her again. And then you know what I, and, 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 and I asked her again, how much pain do you not have? She said, well, it's like a four. And I said, it's a four, okay, but that's not good enough. I want more. Amen. And so long story short, I prayed, and all of a sudden I prayed for her, and I felt the growth just disappeared. And I told her, I said, did you feel that? She said, yeah, I felt something leave my body. And then by the end of that, we, at the end of the prayer, she had no more pain. No growth, no more pain. You see, but what if after the first time I had given up and said, well, you know, okay, it's going to get better. Go your way. It's going to, no, no, I, I, I don't know about you, but I want to be like that widow, you know, in Luke 18, that, that, that went against the, the adversary. And I said, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to camp in front of your door until I get what's mine. And when Jesus said, he said, listen to what G the unjust judge said. Lest she weary me by her continual coming, I'm going to give it to her. That's the kind of attitude we've got to have. When we lay hands on the sick, you know, you might not see result the first day or the first time or the 20th time. But don't quit. Don't give up. Keep on praying for people. I remember hearing a man. He was a guy in Africa. And I was in Switzerland with a pastor who had met that evangelist. And he was telling me that that evangelist had seen more than 200 people raised from the dead. And so that pastor was kind of said, uh, talked to him and said, what's the secret here? What did you do to see so much, so many people healed and so many people raised from the dead? And you know what his answers was? He said, the first 200 people I prayed for never got healed, never got raised from the dead. But I didn't quit because I knew that it was the will of daddy God for people to be healed. He said, so I didn't quit. And he kept on he, laying hands on the sick, and he kept on going and raising, and he kept at it, and kept at it, and kept at it, and kept at it, until one day, shoom, it was like the dam was open. You see, what is this? That, you know, it's like almost a tug of war with the devil. The one that quit the first is the one who's going to win. So I don't know, I don't want to let the devil win. You know what I mean? Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So we're talking about Waking up, 
standing up, becoming that giant that God wants us to be because that revival, the glory of God will be spread on the earth, not when God will sprinkle some little, you know, mighty dust or, or, or magical dust, but when you and I wake up and say, wait, we are waiting for God to do something when in, tr in truth, he's waiting for us to do something, to start doing it, just do it. And that's every one of us. Amen? So we don't quit. We don't give up. And we do it. Amen. Hallelujah. And so what is it that, that hinders us also from, you know, laying hands on the sick and seeing miracles, signs, and wonders? It's, I find that very often when I minister for people let's say I, I told you I lay hands on them you know Jesus laid hands on a blind man twice you remember he laid hands on the blind man the first time he saw men as trees and then Jesus even him laid his hands on that man twice not because he did not believe that anything happened or that it didn't work but he just gave him another boost of the Holy Ghost, another charge of the, of the power of God. And because Jesus was expecting to see a full healing. Amen. But even then when, you know, we lay hands on people and we pray, and, and, and oftentimes I notice if I pray for people more than once, twice, three times, maybe more, all of a sudden I find myself starting to get into works. What do I mean? All of a sudden I feel my voice maybe wants to start to get a little louder. You know, I feel like I've got to have a, my prayer a little longer. And all of a sudden, we said, in the name of Jesus, da, 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 da. you know, you, you feel all of a sudden you've got to add to it. When in truth, it's not us who do anything to heal people. It's the name of Jesus. And it's, the, it's Jesus being kind enough to work with us and through us. So you know what I do when I find myself getting into works? I back off. And I said, okay, Lord. And I try to refocus on Jesus. Because here is the truth. Jesus paid a great price. And just like you and I, if you go to a good restaurant and you pay good money, you go, let's say, to Ruth Chris, and you pay good money for a good steak, you want everything you paid for. I mean, you want everything. You know, where is a little mint at the end of the meal? Where is a little towel to clean your hand? I mean, you know what I mean. You want what you paid for. But let me tell you something. Jesus paid a price for the healings. And he wants to get what he paid for. And that's why I have to refocus and say, Jesus wants that healing more than it. So I've got to refocus. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. And you know what I do? I force myself, I engage to become simpler in my prayer. I'll go in Jesus' name. Yeah, I continue to attack the sickness, but in Jesus' name, you go. Sickness, you go. Pain, you go. Be healed in Jesus' name. I try, I go back to being so simple because then I know that it's not about me. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. Do you know what I mean? And here is something powerful, and I'm going to close with that. That you see, when you go to lay hands on people, if you are going to see signs and wonders, you might be disappointed. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. But if you go to lay hands on people and share the good news because you want to be a blessing to that person, because you want to love people and you want to show the love of God to that person, you'll never fail. Because even if the person does not get healed... For what X reason, if that person has come in contact with the love of God, you've succeeded in showing that person the Father. And love never fails. Hallelujah. So we've got a job to do, church. We've got a job to do. You know, I remember when I first became a Christian, I belonged to a church very much like this. But so, there was something to that church that every Sunday, I mean, it was full, but every Sunday, people would bring people from the street. There was, the altar was always packed with people coming to get saved, to get healed, to get delivered, to get filled. And, 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 but 
those people were there because people were bringing them in. And those same people that would bring them in, they were always doing something also out there. Church was really happening out there. And that is what we're all about, church. Doing the works of Jesus. He said, the same work that you do, that I do, you shall do also. Point to yourself and repeat after me. The same work that Jesus did, I shall do, and greater work than these. Because Jesus went to the Father, and he left me here. And you know the truth. You know in the book of, of Revelation, it says that Jesus knocked at the door of our heart and says, you know, let me in. If you let me in, I'll come and dine with you and commune with you. And we all have experienced that. We all have here opened the door of our heart and let Jesus in. But you know the problem today is Jesus is on the other side of the door knocking and he's saying, let me out. Let me out. And we are keeping him like gelled inside when in truth he wants to overflow. You know why we got filled with the Holy Spirit? Baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit so we can overflow. And a Christian that doesn't overflow, that doesn't give, Jesus says, heal the sick, cast the, 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 the devil, uh, uh, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Freely you have received, now freely give. And a Christian that doesn't do that, that doesn't do what Jesus is, it's a, it's a stinking Christian. You know what I mean by that? I don't want to be you know, mean or anything. But any kind of water that you receive. And you let it sit here for a while, it becomes stagnant, right? And what stagnant water starts to have a smell. But water that flows out, man, it's good to the soul. So there is no stinking, no stinking Christian here, right? We're gonna make this a no stinking zone. Right? Because we're gonna be, I mean, and I'm talking, I'm preaching to the choir because I guarantee you this group here. You're serious about Jesus. You love Jesus. But this is the prayer that I want you to do tonight. And if it's okay with you, what time do, what shall I do? Is it time to, to those who need to go because I'm going to start ministering? Okay, I know there are children back there. You are, some of you parents have little kids. If you need to go and get your kids or you need to leave, don't feel we're not going to send the, you know, a bodyguard to put you down on the ground or anything like that. You are free to go. You know I'm just joking. Amen. But I, I, I think it would be, it'd be important right now. I, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to minister. We're going to pray a prayer and then we're going to do some ministry. Would that be okay? Hallelujah. The first thing that I would like, I would like for us to pray. If you are here tonight and you say, Audrey, I have, oh, I've never I have never gone to somebody to either share the gospel or to lay hands on, on a sick person. I've never laid hands on a sick person. And I would like to. I really want to, to do what Jesus has called us to do. I'd love to go and, you know, when Jesus said, preach the good news. Preaching is not just behind the pulpit. Preaching is just sharing your testimony or telling what, you know, who Jesus is. You're preaching. You can sit across your neighbor or a, 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 at a restaurant and you can be sharing about Jesus. You're preaching. That's what Jesus has called us to do. And if you say, I've never done that. I've never, you know, shared the good news with somebody. I've never laid hands on the sick. I've never cast that devil. And you said, you know what? I want to be that kind of Christian. I want to be a disciple. I want to be part of that last army that's going to bring the move of God upon the earth and all accelerate the coming of Jesus. If you say, I want to be like that, and, I've never, and, I, and I would like you to raise your hand. You said, I want to be that. I want to be part of that army. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We are family here, aren't we? You see, if we are afraid to raise our hand here, we have a problem. What shall we do out there? We're just family. Glory to God. Let's do it that way. Just let's close our eyes. Nothing, you know, religious about it. It's just to close ourselves in our little sanctuary. 
just to look into our heart and just to be honest with ourselves. And you said, Audrey, I need boldness. I'm asked just like Peter prayed and John prayed and Paul, they asked for more boldness. I want boldness. I want to be that kind of disciple that makes, if it's you and you say, I want boldness, I want to be able to do that, I'd like you to raise your hand. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Yes, I see those hands. Glory to God. And I'd like to pray this prayer. And if it's okay, I would like you to come forward. Let's just do that. Would you come forward, church? If you want more boldness and you want to be an effective witness that lay hands on the sick, then that's for you. Now, if you say, no, I'm not too interested, then that's okay. No condemnation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hello, beautiful. God's got great things for you. God's got great things for you. I just know it. He's got a plan for you. And you haven't seen anything yet. But he wants all of your heart. He wants all of your heart. When you give him all of your heart, he's going to turn. And you said, but I've done some things. God says, I can take a broken vase and make it into something beautiful. And that's when it becomes even more beautiful. And that's when he can use you with power. Because it's not going to be about you. It's going to be about him. So I pray in Jesus' name, the anointing of God upon you to set you completely free from your past, completely free from yourself, loved by the Father. You see, your value is not based on your past or what you've done or what you're going to do for God. Your value is based on the price that was paid for you. Oh, God is seen the desire of your heart. Yes. He wants will bring it to pass and you will see things you've never seen before because you are getting ready to do things you've never done before hallelujah hallelujah oh glory to god glory to god you're hungry aren't you you're hungry hungry that's a good recipe oh for a heart revival lord i just thank you for that hunger in his heart lord i thank you Deep, deep, Lord. You satisfy the longing of our heart, Father. Thank you for your presence. Lord, never be the same. Never the presence of God that will change your heart and your life. He's got a plan for you. You're not here by accident, my brother. Two years today, oh, glory to God. Today is a turning point for you. Today is a turning point. Two years is good, but you're getting ready to enter the best time of your life. Better and better. Better and better. Usane master of prefeshtie. Istonema aserie toke brafe. Are you a family here? No, you're not a family. Hase kedomo prave stadie. Kitone masse cho bravaste. Itane i cabrefisto cho prefeste. Lenama seki e torodo costeria. Hish shu hif. There is a calling upon you. Only in the name of Jesus. 
Oh, and God will speak to you things in the night time. And He will rearrange you. He will rearrange you. And He will ask you to, to step out of the box. Yes. He will ask you to step out of the box. Oh, and it might be uncomfortable, but you'll see. If you dare do it, just do it. You will see. Oh, mane ne nama tere brava stere That's what you feel. That is the anointing. Yes. Yes. Fire. Fire. Fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire. Fire. Hallelujah. It hasn't left you. It hasn't left you. Oh, my name is Sote de Brasse. Ikinamase. Indone Esare. Ikochere Esa. Zere Mane. There is a purpose greater than what you even think or even imagine or what you thought of. A greater purpose in mane matre boste. Oh, le nane eshere, ikorie, ikare, hinchapeto proveste. So, Lord, I just thank you. Put it right back on track, Father. Right on track, Father. Thank you. Yes, you are merciful, Father. You are good. Repeat after me all in here. Father God, I ask you to give me boldness that I may open my mouth as I ought you by stretching out your hand to heal. I will speak where you lead me to who you lead me. I will say what you tell me to say. I will be bold and you will do what you do best which is heal the sick raise the dead free people I thank you God that I'm a son of God called with a destiny to do the works of Jesus I am equipped I am qualified I am anointed. I am beloved. I am filled with the power of God. I have that authority and I will use it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Fire.